Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, so you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pr- pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien, with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. seriously until you were 30 years old. You grew up with dyslexia and you said that you were reading basically on a third grade level at 30 years old before you decided to take reading seriously. Why, you know, why the sudden urge to improve your reading skills? I grew up with ADD and dyslexia at a time when no one knew what the hell ADD or dyslexia was. They just thought we were stupid. Like I was (laughs) reading at a third grade level at the age of 30. Like, uh, at 31, though, I made a decision I was going to learn how to read. And anything I make a decision about, it happens. Right. And it took a really long time because I didn't know how to work around the ADD or dyslexia. That I got a little bit better, a little bit better over the next decade or so. And then when I when I went to and lived in L.A. for 10 years, um, in my late 40s and early 50s, that's where I came across the Culver Learning Institute. And they te- they taught kids and adults with learning disabilities. And I hooked up with this 85-year-old grand- uh, mother, she's a grandmother, obviously, great-grandmother, but she became my teacher. And it was just, it was amazing how the things that she taught me, like how I could apply them almost immediately. And she said I took home more homework than ever. I'd meet her every Monday and Thursday. Within six months, I had a different handle on it. Am I a great reader like you? No. But can I read pretty good now? Yeah, pretty good. And I'm pretty proud of that. Um, but it was all about just putting the work in. And and this is what I know, right? The repetitions of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes a deep conviction, things begin to happen. Right, right, right. Now, I first saw that quote on Brainy Quote. Once in a while, I'll go on there just to check stuff out. And I read that, and I was like, wow, that's powerful. 
and I'm not going to tell you who said it yet because I know you don't know, but I'll tell you in a minute. Let's break that down. The repetitions of affirmations, that can be really good or really bad. Right. Even the slightest falling into that hole. We second guess each other, ourselves, all the time. You know, it's human nature to start to think, oh man, what if, what if this happens or what if that happens? But, right. You know, there's, there's times in my life where I know I'm going to do something that's really powerful, but it's kind of like surfing. Like when the waves are perfect. It's either thundering and lightning <laughs> or there's sharks out there. It's never just a beautiful day. The waves are amazing. And you don't have to think about any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to like something that's a big event, like for me, the biggest event I could give you would be when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, it took a long time for them to induct me because I was with WCW, and they finally had to induct me because they were building this WWE network, and they're having all of our stuff that was so amazing up there, the Monday Night Wars, something you didn't get to really watch. You knew who was the Hall of Famers and who weren't. <laughs> so... I'm always that kind of person that doesn't go, it's got to happen now. It'll happen when it happens. I'm just going right. to keep working towards it. And um, when I got the call that I was going in the Hall of Fame, it was a really big deal. And Hunter, Hunter himself called me because he was there when I decided to be a professional wrestler at 35 and a half years old. And the only reason I made that move, because I was in wrestling for three and a half years. Well, I tried to wrestle when I was your age. So um, I tried to wrestle when I was 23, 1979. Didn't work. You know, I had three matches, hurt my knee. Same knee, I got hit by a car when I was a kid. I walked right out in front of the car, hit my left knee, my face bounced off the hood. I flew 42 feet from the point of impact. That changed my life because then I couldn't play football anymore. And I was devastated. And um, that also taught me a huge lesson because I sucked at basketball. And that's really the only game that they would let me play. They would let me play baseball too, but I sucked there too. But you kind of have to have some sort of, you have to have some guidance or have a lot of natural ability. There are someone teaching you. And I just, I didn't have it. I didn't have a dad around. I didn't have anybody. So I picked basketball because I could do it all myself. And I went from being the worst person out there to picking the teams to one of the top guys in the county. And I did it through work ethic putting the work in and that summer after I hit by that car I played basketball my eighth grade I didn't make it in seventh grade I played in eighth I sucked I, I sat on the bench which I'd never done before and I realized I gotta play all the time and I played five six seven eight hours a day all through that summer and it changed my life and it, it taught me that work ethic equals results. As a young man, I just 
picked up on that. And everything I would do after that, except for schoolwork, because I couldn't do it, because I had ADD and dyslexia. Again, I didn't know. So I worked on the things I could excel on and work towards. So back to wrestling, I tried 23, didn't work out for me. I came back in at 31 and got a job being a manager and color commentator just because of my over-the-top flamboyant character that I created and I could talk. Bottom line is now, four years later, I'm in WCW and they won't let me manage anymore. So I start wrestling. And again, everyone thinks I'm crazy. I'm too old. It's not going to happen. I never believe what anyone says. You know, you can't do this. This will never happen. I know the repetitions of affirmations leads to belief. And if I really believe it, and I say that enough, it will happen. But with work ethic and keep believing in myself. Because there's only one person that you have to believe in. <laughs> it's you. It's the only one who has to believe in you. Is you. So bottom line is... Uh, I start this, you know, this wrestling thing. At 40 years old, my career takes off. 41, 32, on top of the friggin' world. Headlining one pay-per-view after another. And then I blow my back out. And that's where I'm told by three different spine specialists that my career is over. I just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. What the hell are you talking about? Bottom line is I... Uh, the guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga started doing yoga. I was blown away by how much it helped me. Well, I listened to the podcast that you did with Rogan a few years back, and you know you were talking about uh, DDPY, Diamond Dallas Page Yoga, and some of the biggest success stories to come out of DDP Yoga and how it's kind of helped thousands of people around the globe. I kind of wanted to get your take on what was one of the bigger success stories that has come out of your practice, because a lot of people have a lot of stories, but what's the biggest story that you take away uh, since starting DDP Yoga? Biggest success story from DDPY. Bro, that's a disabled veteran. Arthur Borman. You want to see the real story? Go on um, Amazon Prime. Pull up Relentless and watch that documentary. And I'll tell you everything about my business. From me blowing my back out to where we are today and just changing the world. So after you see it, you can't leave a review on Amazon Prime. You gotta go back over to regular Amazon, like we buy shit, and then request um, Diamond Dallas Page and Relentless, then you can leave a review. I read them every day, Jack, so I wanna hear what you have to say. So that's your answer to that question, because I just gave you an hour and two minute answer that you'll see, and you're and you're really going to be inspired. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask you, and you kind of alluded to it earlier on, was the fact that you started your wrestling career at 35 years of age. You were told that you were never going to make it multiple times throughout your journey. What I want to know is, you know, what was that driving force for you to say, you know, despite what anybody else thinks, F it, I'm going to do it, and then you did it? Jack, you want to know a lot of shit here. That's right. <laughs> okay. Now, that's a pretty good question, Jack. Um, you have to understand, I don't listen to other people's opinions. I actually, I listen 
but I do what I think is the best thing. Because nine times out of 10, when you're talking about something, especially if you're a young man, let's just use me as an example. And I told people I was gonna run nightclubs when I was 20 years old. They were like, yeah, right, sure you are. And then I did. When I finally decided to get out of the business and go into professional wrestling, um, and when I told them I was going to get into professional wrestling, at 31, I thought I was too old to be a wrestler, so I, I came in as a manager. You have to understand that sometimes ignorance is bliss. And if I knew how hard that was, if I knew that, I don't know if I would have done it. But I didn't know that. So, you know, there's good and bad to being ignorant. <laughs> um, the bottom line is I did get in. And because back then I looked and dressed like that guy <laughs> as a manager, and they told me, I said, that when they wouldn't let me manage anymore, you know, like, D, it's not your fault. You know, the hair, the clothes, the bling, the diamond dolls, the, you know, the rap. <laughs> it's like no one's paying attention to the wrestler that you're managing. So bottom line is I was told I was too over the top of professional wrestling as a manager. So I had seven months left on my contract. And since I was a kid, I, I always wanted to wrestle. I didn't want to be a manager. And I went down to power plant and I started learning how to wrestle. And when I first started, everybody laughed at me. Now, I could have taken that as real disheartening. And I could have let it destroy my confidence. But I didn't. But I got to be honest. It was hard. It was really hard. I can't tell you. Like, where, we, where they would train, it was called the power plant. This is before WWE's performance center. We trained in a warehouse that in the winter was fucking freezing. And that's when I started. I can't tell you how many times in the beginning, especially that first couple of months, my body would hit that mat and I would say to myself, man, this fake stuff hurts like hell. <laughs> like, bro, I, my body felt every square inch of that, of, that, of that mat when I hit it. Starting at 35 was the hardest thing for me physically because of the punishment it was about to put on my body. The positive side was starting at 35 mentally. I wasn't going to do the stupid shit I would have done at 20 or 22 or 25 or 27. I was just going to be smarter because I was older. I was more mature. I iced my body. No one did that. For five years, I was the only one in professional wrestling that iced his knees and his back. Everybody laughed at me. In 1996, I had turned 40 by the time I was three quarters through that year, I was becoming one of the hottest properties in professional wrestling. There's another documentary WWE did called Positivity Living that kind of does a decent job of telling that story. But again, I was the guy, I was the anomaly. I was the guy who wasn't supposed to happen, but I did. And 
96, I was 40, 97, my career blew through the roof. Um, I uh, headlined so many pay-per-views. Um, I was the, me and Randy Savage had the feud of the year in 1997. Um, it was unprecedented. It had never been done before anything like this. I was working 270 days a year in the ring, along with doing Hollywood Squares and uh, The Tonight Show and Kilbourne Show and all these, these shows that created awareness, built the brand bigger than The Wrestler, um, kind of like what The Rock did on a much smaller level, um, what John Cena does today or Dave Bautista. Um, the bottom line is, is that... Uh, I would be on fire for those next three years. And then I ruptured my L4 and L5. You could say I broke my back. I was told by three, three spine specialists that my career was over. Um, it knocked the shit out of me. I just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. I finally got paid. Now they're saying it's over? A lot of emotional gravity pulled me down. And you'll see that in uh, Relentless. But I don't stay down. I come back up. And that's the key. Everybody gets depressed, including The Rock, including Obama, including Trump. I'm sure he's really depressed right now. <laughs> and pissed off at the same time. Um, everybody gets depressed. They don't stay there, though. The people who are really successful, they bounce and come back up. Because you always got to be focused on what's the next thing. So what looked like the worst thing to ever happen to me the guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga the first 42 years of my life. Well, now I'm 42 and at three quarters. And if I can't get back in that ring, that contract's gonna go away. I got like six months to get back in that ring. Bottom line is I started doing yoga. It really helped me. It didn't give me everything, but it really helped me. Then I threw in old school calisthenics, rehabilitation techniques, and something I call dynamic resistance. In less than three months, I was back in the ring. At 42, those doctors said my career was over. At 43, I was heavyweight champ of the world. Right. And I would get that honor on three different occasions. Bottom line is, is that everything that has ever looked like the worst thing to ever happen to me, Jack, has turned out to be the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's all how to do it, how to reboot your brain is all in this book. Positively Unstoppable, The Art of Owning It. It sounds like you're asking good questions and you want answers. If you watch Relentless, if you watch Living, uh, Positively Living, WWE has it on there. Uh, if you read that book, Positively Unstoppable, um, You'll see, like you'll you'll have so many, you'll have answers to questions you didn't know you had. Now that's up to you, brother. And I hope I answered your questions. And uh, read the book because it'll blow your mind. I'll answer all your questions. And now you got no questions. You got no excuses. If you've been thinking about doing DDP yoga, I just gave it to you. You got it, brother. Have an awesome day. See ya. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Shitty use tick picking. 
What'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.